Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. And welcome back to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere. This is Chris Parker, and I am with Tomasz Wierczowski, who is originally from Poland, as he explained to me, you know, born, raised, and educated. However, currently he's in the United Kingdom. And he's into robotics, and I'm really fascinated to talk to Tomasz uh, about some of his projects, the ones he's working on now, and as well as the past, because um, I know very, very little about robotics. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see what kind of entrepreneurial activities he's gotten up to. So Tomasz, thank you so much for joining. Can you please share with everyone what you do and why do you do what you do? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much for for invitation, first of all, to, to this podcast um, for introduction. Um, yes. So yeah, as you as you explained, I'm I'm roboticist um, and systems engineer. So I see myself as um, let's say dual um, dual speciality because I think both of these things come together, which I'll maybe talk a bit more in details later. Um, yeah, and I've uh, I had the the unique opportunity, one of the unique opportunities to to work across my career uh, in robotics in in, in uh, for industrial projects um, uh, across Europe. Um, yeah, and be uh, yeah, happy to discuss uh, more details about this. I think also my throughout my career, my role and focus evolved quite nice, um, and you know till now um, I'm I'm holding chief technology officer. A position at uh, at agriculture robotics startup called HBC, um, where very briefly we are developing a very novel um, jumping robots for scouting of intensive scouting of of uh, crops in very very short <laughs> details. Um, yeah, and happy to discuss um, some of the interesting topics in robotics today. Yeah, um, I'm, I, we will dive into some of that. Um, but before we get there, I'm, I'm still curious about the why question. So what is it about you that, you know, has brought you down this path over time? Why, why are you in robotics? Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, very good question. Um, so I think when I, when I look back now into my... Um, my career choices, of course, education is one of the big ones. So I was always in in STEM, and I was very much into physics um, during during pretty high school, and then I probably I had this kind of very major decision we have to make: either go into more academic physics uh, degree or go to something more applied. And I always liked also playing with, with practical stuff, um, model making, uh, also maybe a bit of electronics, but but nothing like too crazy, not too much of programming, just a bit. Um, I was fascinated about how things are built, uh, and I really liked very practical, uh, experimental work, the, the the things that I can see the effect of my work pretty much. Um, so I get a consultation, long story short, with with some someone my family knew who was physicist. And he said to me, absolutely, though, don't do a physics degree, especially in Poland, because you are, you, yeah, this is not the way. Especially oh, now. Wow. Why not? What is what is so horrible about physics in Poland? Is it different there? Different, different um, no, laws no, of physics? No, it, it was career advice. It was not okay. like your passion. So, yeah. yeah, if you're passionate, but it was more about like, okay, if you want to, to earn decent money and have many opportunities, you know, you, you are still young, you know, it was high school. Um, do, for example, computer science or maybe mm. do robotics. 
So this was like very, you know, pragmatic, someone who, who cared about me and my family. So this was uh, this. And this was maybe also about, you know, um, how in, um, in, in Central Eastern Europe, the academic system works and how it's evolving. I think now it's better than like 15 years ago, but still, mm. for example, opportunities are different than in academics, uh, institutes. I'm not saying about the quality of research, it's just about the realities of, um, let's say, the pay and uh, the conditions. Um, but then maybe, maybe it was a bit biased, but I really liked the, mm. I got uh, at least very clear um, direction not to pursue directly maybe what I was thinking I was mm. going to do. Um, so I, I chosen to, to, to do the green robotics. Um, and during, I think it took me three years before I figured out that mobile robotics is something I want to be involved in because I had to go over, of course, undergraduate, which is probably a bit different than in like um, Western Europe. Uh, so this education system is, I think, more, it's not as specialized. Um, well, it is specialized in few few areas, so it's very deep in each of the um, mm. subjects, so like physics or like algebra or um, some fundamental problems of like control robotics. They are very well, I think, teached in early years, more than in Western Europe, which means you probably have more chance to find out what you like and what you don't. And if you do it right, you have better background, like this, let's say, more um, like T-shaped backgrounds, if you if you know them, the notation mm -hmm. that you, but T with a bit kind of, um, yeah, big, bigger, bigger T part. Um, and then after three years, yeah, long story short, um, I got involved in few, a few like research projects. And then I got like on double degree with Cranfield University in UK on autonomous vehicle dynamics and control. Um, meanwhile, I started building my own stuff, not, not yet robots, but embedded systems. So my whole, my own electronics, PCBs, embedded software. And yes, from then I knew, wow, this is, this is what you can do nowadays with, well, not just with electronics, but actually if you build stuff, which can um, actually, this, this, uh, well, especially like drones, because that, that's what I was very passionate about. Um, this is very novel technology and like very disruptive. You can do quite, I mean, it's very fun, first of all. So mm -hmm. it's, it's extremely, uh, I would say, motivational to work on this, but on other side, opportunities, like business opportunities, impact opportunities are endless. There will be, and you know, there's not many people doing this. Um, yeah, so that, that's kind of, uh, that was my motivation. And that kept me, you know, today, even though it was difficult, I would say sometimes to find other opportunities if you want to switch. And you're, you're, you know, we're going to get into some of your career background in a bit, I hope. Um, and your current project is sort of in, in agri-tech. Um, are you in love with agriculture or, or is the industry not really relevant? Or, or how, do you, how do you see the context? Because it looks like you've been evolving through for example, you've worked with Dyson in the past, which is, you know, an incredible household brand that that I know and love. Um, and, you know, now you're in, in agriculture. How does the industry or the context influence your passion? Yeah, that's a very good question, actually. So I think every time I explore new projects to join, for whatever reasons, I really would like to understand the industry and um, I think I had the pleasure to work almost on all projects, which in the end actually really were impactful. So there was a lot of impact. 
and I learned a lot about these industries, even though I had no clue about industry when I was joining or had little clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I find very beautiful about robotics and very motivational is that actually technologies that you develop, of course, some would be very tailored to, uh, to each industry. However, if you develop, for example, some novel wave locomotion, so let's say jumping, let's say, let's, let's talk about jumping, but not in details. If you apply it to one industry, let's say agriculture, actually, um, maybe this is much wider. So, um, um, and maybe you figure out other industry, which has even bigger problems. Well, probably difficult to find bigger problems in agriculture in our nowadays. Well, probably you can, but it's, it's all subjective. Um, but I find this, like, also what I really like, like the comparison is between also different, different like segments, business models. So like B2C business to consumer versus business to business. So like more industrial, um, business or enterprise uh, robotics products uh, because I had chance to work for both and like really either big brands or, or very like fast evolving startup scale ups um, and this is so different as well and you have although you might have very similar technologies developed for household robots for example to commercial robots actually the the context and the, the business model that you develop and what you care about in the product what you optimize it for is so different Actually, this is two different words, um, especially if you come, if you talk about like delivering products, so not just proof of concept, but actually having product that can scale and um, hardware products, like complex hardware product, like not saying that, you know, mobile phone is not complex, but uh, I would argue that like robot vacuum cleaner is way, way more complex than a proper one than uh, the mobile yeah. phone. Um, so from, from like, if you took some straightforward metrics, uh, of yeah. systems engineering, which I mentioned that I was a systems engineer at some point, I hope to, to point to. So, yeah, so this is like, I find it an ag- agriculture. I actually haven't just to touch on this. I haven't been too much involved in before. I, I was actually tracking it and how, how robotics is evolving there, but there was not too much of progress. And then I met um, the founder, CEO of, of, of HireBC, and then I was like amazed, N- not just by how, how much like opportunities in product or company, but like actually how much is to optimize there. Like actually, mm. you know, this is one of the industries like construction that, well, I mean, th- and this is true, like construction is, is important because you build homes for people, but you know, there's many ways of doing this, but actually growing food, this is like an even more major major concern because I mean you can live in caves but you cannot really eat uh, stones I guess I'm not sure if it's a good comparison. <laughs> well, let's let's jump into HeyBC a little bit and um, for those listening, the HeyBC the link to the company is on the the show notes so you, you can get there and it's hay is in as in the, the the hay that horses eat and then B is in bees flying around and then C is in seeing things with your eyes abc.com. And according to the website, it talks about it's a lightweight jumping all season robot um, that basically jumps around. And I'm just going to interpret quickly, jumps around taking measurements. So then the farmer can basically make much more uh, responsive uh, um, actions based on different types of quality of what's on, what's on the ground. So if, if people are interested in more about the actual company, um, uh, you can go look at Hey BC, and then what they're able to share is is already there publicly, but it's still evolving. 
Question I have is you said you're passionate about drones. Why is HBC not a drone solution? Because I, I would have imagined having something flying around taking pictures would have been vastly more efficient than something hopping around. What, what, what is the difference there if you're able to talk about that? Yes, very good question. So, so I'll try to make it a bit simpler from based on also what I can talk publicly about. Um, so this is also what I'm, uh, why I'm fascinated about projects which are very different, but different not for the sake of PR, but different because of very like fundamental reason. Um, so when when I think about, I'll try to make a helicopter picture and then refer to HBC. So when I when I think about now projects like after so many years of experience in robotics and complex systems, uh, not just robotics, but any, let's say, more complicated product, uh, what you really want to achieve, you want to understand what you want to build and uh, how you want to build, right? So kind of requirements and so on. And it turns out that actually, you know, that, that there's, there, there's good methodologies developed in defense, in aerospace, in space industry, dealing with such a stuff. And uh, why I'm mentioning this, because uh, the story of IBC, like short stories, short story kind of <laughs> fast forward is, um, in fact, one of the early days, the, the solution that we looked into were based on drones. Um, however, there was very good reason. And the reason is energy efficiency and the scalability of a product uh, based on, let's say, current um, state of the art of electric batteries uh, that actually plus few other actually metrics which i probably don't want to or cannot talk today which sum up to very unique advantage it's not like unique select points so just unique select points that it's okay cool that we're hoping actually jumping is compared to multi-rotor drone 20x more efficient so when you said mm. actually oh, that the drone might be more efficient it's actually 20x less efficient and the reason for that is also that the, what is not obvious when you think about farming, and this is a bit of, let's say, the, the noise that you can see in the market, and not criticizing other companies or competitors, not at all. I'm just stating facts as they are, mm. or let's say we think they are, um, and our partners think they are, is the data which you're collecting has to be actionable and impactful. Mm. Otherwise, like with any data-centered product, the product is marginal, impact is marginal. And it looks, I mean, it doesn't look like, it is an actually common truth across proper agronomy circles that the data which matters is data which cannot be collected from drones in very simplified words. And of course, if someone is hearing this who is knowledgeable agronomy, you can still have like edge cases, but we're talking about also, let's say, and widespread farming hmm. and not like specific orchards or let's say small use cases. So this is a bit well, probably long story. I think that the, some of those principles apply because is something I'm, I'm working on uh, with a financial services company right now is, is, is a data analytics platform. And what I keep reminding them is the, the platform itself creates no value at all. It's if the data is properly shaped, if you will, granular enough, it's appropriate for someone to make a decision better than they would have otherwise. And so until yep. a decision is made that creates value, the rest of this is waste. And it's, um, 
in financial services where there's a quite a heavy margin, sometimes you get lost in the, the technique of, of data. Um, and, and I imagine farming is not a high margin initiative. So probably any sliver of benefit they can get is, uh, is worthwhile. So um, yeah, fascinating. And again, uh, if people are interested, go to heybc.com and it looks, it looks like a drone with legs. So go check that out. But let's loop back to your robotics and engineering, system engineering. You, you've mentioned that a couple of times and I can, I can imagine myself how those are complementary. Um, I wonder if they're even different. I don't know, maybe robotics, robotics is a physical manif manifestation of system engineering. But what's your vision on how these things merge or how those two worlds collide? Yes, yes. So a bit probably of definitions <clears throat> as I see them, because of course this is all subjective uh, always. So small disclaimer. Um, so mobile robotics or robotics is a field of discipline I see is as industrial discipline, uh, not just academic of, of uh, delivering a mobile robot right, to specific applications. Um, and mobile robots are complex systems. And that's where, the, where is the link with systems engineering. So systems engineering is uh, a methodology, science, or whatever we call it, maybe not science, maybe some people will be, some scientists will be uh, a bit uh, problematic about this, but this is a an whole discipline of uh, delivering complex systems. Mm -hmm. um, uh, probably this is not like the definition you would again look up for, but the whole idea is how to um, efficiently deliver complex systems. And so this is um, something coming from, um, uh, I think this was from Bell Labs actually, where the first ideas developed and then very fastly spread to aerospace, to NASA, to um, to all organizations where there's no other way. So uh, it's not like nice to have there, otherwise we'll not deliver, let's say a new um, complex um, um, jet fighter, right? So I'm just talking, and still we are not delivering things mm -hmm. on time and so on, but at least you're delivering it. Um, and now, so this is a quite of, I think opportunity which I had over my career, because I don't have like formal background in systems engineering. I have not been taught systems engineering at university. Well, I had some in UK at Cranfield University at Defense Campus, but um, other than that, at that time I haven't seen, I haven't been taught how much value it gives. So the first time I, I heard about it properly was when I was at this drone company, Ariatronics in the Netherlands. Uh, so it was like rapidly growing um, drone startup back 2012, so pre-DGA Phantom, so really ancient uh, drone days. Drone mm. days. Um, and we're, by the way, developing a custom multi-rotor drone. So quite complex projects. Those commercial mm -hmm. B2B, so a bit more slack on, on the cost, but still challenging. And we, we, used, we, we worked with someone who came from uh, aerospace background, not just single person, but a team. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I was actually blown, blown away by Okay, so I spent a year in this company doing pretty much systems engineering role, some leadership of team, some bits and pieces, like pretty much universal uh, growing first employee uh, mm. in the company, first first engineer. Um, and then someone's coming to me and saying, well, this is not reinventing the wheel. Actually, what we are doing, there are tools for that. Of course, not applicable directly yeah. to startup because you just it's too much overhead. But actually, there's some other people that fought your way, or not way, way, but trying to solve complex systems. Um, and 
what's interesting about current industry, I don't think so many robotics companies, my robotics company, except the ones maybe in defense, but not even, I think most of them, from what I can say, but there are still small companies, they're applying or they see benefit or they know about systems engineering. Um, why is that? It's probably different conversation, but uh, it's well, like... What I love about what you're saying is, is you're talking about systems engineering in, in, in a different meta context than I think we usually use the term. So in, in IT land, a systems engineer is a person who configures servers, systems. Um, which are also complex systems in themselves, yep. but it's, we don't usually connect those two words and those two. To, and so, what, what you're talking about is, is, is the system of, of a very complex thing of many, many moving parts, um, a complex thing, maybe not complex adaptive system, but at least a complex system. And then, probably the mindset and the techniques to comprehend that in order to deliver it over time across multiple teams. If if there was one video or book or article that you would recommend people read to have a primer on systems engineering in this larger definition, what would you point people to? Do you have any anything off the top of your head? Very good question. I, I think this is a very good question, which I never asked myself. Uh, because I try to always probably reinvent the wheel against systems engineering, uh, trying to explain on on like maybe more proprietary examples, which I cannot talk publicly. Uh, well, I think there's 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 few organizations, including um, uh, one called Incose, E N C O S E, which is the Council of Systems Engineering, and mm. they 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 have materials on the website. It might be overwhelming, I guess, because this is mostly for a bit bigger projects. And I'm not really aware of any like kind of um, smaller scale applications of, of like publicly available systems engineering. But I think mm. good example of this is also like books, which I cannot remember the titles from my mind, which talk about failures in complex systems. So, mm. and this might be even, um, because this, this is a bit wider than like the software world, right? I'm not saying that software world is not complex and mm. uh, straightforward, but systems talk about not only like different disciplines, so like software electronics, so this hardware product, but also about business. So this is absolutely meta, as you said, meta approach. Um, and I think this, there's a lot of opportunities applying this in startups. It's just, uh, yeah. it's so difficult, yeah. Well, I, if um, we can, we will follow up um, and put in the, in the notes the link to the Incosa and also we'll find at least one book about um, failures or lessons in maybe systems in systems engineering yep. or complex systems gone wrong, <laughs> which are uh, always interesting. So if um, if we turn the, the page a little bit and, and went very, very broad and um, you were talking to a, a large audience of, of business people who have actions that they need to be optimized and, and robo robotics, physical robotics, because um, robotization, robotization, like as in mm -hmm. process automation, is another word that we're not talking about here. So, but we're talking about you know physical robotics. Um, um, where would they start? So, like if if, if there was a, a a corporate say executive of operations that was saying, hmm, if I had a drone or a hopping 
robot or a walking robot or some sort of mobile robot, how would they start that thinking process? Yeah, so this touches on the innovation, I would say, wider topic, but I'll, I'll try mm -hmm. to be as applied and as specific to, yeah. to robotics as possible. Um, I think with like wider organizations, of course, it's very different decision making, but okay, let's say we have like ex executive who has the, all the power to, to make things happen. Like, I assume this is the case, right? Yeah, that happens all I, the time. <laughs> all the time. All the yeah. time. Assume yes. that's, for this story, assume that's true. Yes, yes. So, um, so things should, I think, come from, you should build capability. And what, what you are talking about is to figure out how to take advantage, or you want to improve some specific metrics of your business, or maybe find out which can be improved with some robotics technologies for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, like maximizing profits should be the reason and maybe sustainability impact or many, many other metrics. Um, I think building in-house innovation team Robotics team is 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 first thing. I would definitely not like go to consulting or or or, or consulting companies. I mean, you can talk to consultants, but uh, you really want to have um, kind of not biased opinion. Um, and yes, setup would I guess um, yeah, g give it a bit of I think freedom as well. So, so, and get, get, of course, executive there, or like, let's say senior, senior manager, researcher, or, or senior leader who can, um, who has the vision and who's seen enough, I would say, because now, nowadays, the, the robotics technologies are quite distributed across sectors. Um, there's a lot of great work also going on in academia, but obviously academic work and then deliver products. If you don't have in-house team yet, or you're building it, not necessarily the best direction. I mean, you should definitely talk to top research groups because they will give you like 10 years outlook and you can get inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess give, give them also some use cases, like actually mm -hmm. each, each of the segments of the business. Um, so if we have business, which is main pri primary logistics uh, or have logistics, big operations or logistics, and we want to optimize some parts of it, I mean, warehouses, of course, are most straightforward, but this is becoming a bit more, I would say, I won't say major market, but there's a lot of in, in mobile robotics and logistics going on. Um, and um, and there will be some very new new things and having people who can give you not develop technologies yet, but maybe, maybe they should in, 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 in longer run, but they are able to, to be the visionaries, I would say, applied visionaries. Uh, but also also trying to prototype some stuff because like vision simulation is great, but yeah. Yeah, I, want, yeah, I wanted to bring that into the iterative innovation approach, prototyping, prototyping. Um, as I shared with you earlier before we started recording that um, um, you know, there's some Disney in my, in my family and um, I'm, I'm watching on Disney Plus right now the history of the Imagineers, Imagineering which used to be Wed Enterprises, Walter Elias Disney. Dad used to work there. Um, and in the, in the, I guess this would be the 60s and 70s when they were really pioneering the animatronics. The way they described it, at least in that documentary, was they just were tinkering. They wanted to create a bird that talked, that was synced with sound. And so they just started cobbling in their little, not little, but workshop. Um, when you're approaching system 
engineering level projects. How, do, you know, I'm just really curious, how do you balance that iterative versus master plan? How, you know, what, what is the, because there's no way you can have a bunch of people in the room that come up with a blueprint of, you know, the, the, the Death Star and, oh wait, no, they did that. No, but, you know, mm -hmm. a, a fighter jet and, um, and, and then have it work at once. What, what is the, the balance between prototyping and, and, and building to master plan? Yes, yes, yes. Very good question. Um, so I think like without going into too much details of, 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 of consistent engineering has, has different frameworks, different processes, how, how you can apply this and, um, uh, and this is just guidelines. So it doesn't give you a step-by-step -step instruction saying you have to do like hundred pages documents and like link them with some master software together mm -hmm. to, to, to make, make the jet fighter. It's more about like guideline what to, uh, of the process. And now this process, of course, can be tailored to to any. Um, and I think like the innovation phase is part of the um, like requirements analysis. I, I would say it. So when you say requirements analysis, you can think about just mm. talking, or let's say analyzing talking to your customers. And maybe it's true for more straightforward products, which you more or less can see existing technology that you apply, but those are single technologies. So if you're talking about software as a service enterprise where there is no, let's say, AI, no deep tech, well, most of these things, if you have few senior people, you can figure it out, right? Mm. Uh, and let's say if you know the vision of the customer, so you can iterate a lot of things, uh, I would say, on paper on, on, and prototype quickly. And when it comes to robotics or complex systems, um, like Jet Fighter is a bit different, maybe more difficult than robotics because uh, well, you cannot fly just fighter un unless you build it, but you you can you can fly in simulation though, mm. uh, uh, and in in like low fidelity, high fidelity. So defense has is different ways and more strict processes. Um, the criticality of the projects are also higher. So in terms of like robotics, so maybe I'll give example of robotics and how this like Disney imaginary um, group might have speculated might have worked uh, if it were in system engineering. So they were given either complete freedom of doing whatever topic they want. So just choosing, choosing the topic is already requirement specification or analysis, because you know roughly what you want to maybe build. And then you build something, and then I guess you can, in this case, say that, okay, how it works. You seem to know what's your metrics, what's your KPI, whatever you call mm. it, um, how well it works. And this, this is this um, maybe like even pre project definition. So maybe it's not even requirements analysis, it's just uh, like pre-innovation stuff or innovation phase, right? Um, but of course, what is tricky with robotics that these things take, takes time. So uh, mm. it's different time to prototype an app, uh, like straightforward app, and it's different to prototype animatronic heads, which looks like not like a Lego build. Not saying that Lego builds are not awesome or mm -hmm. uh, great because they are, uh, but something which actually um, uh, is useful and demonstrates uh, and you know gives you some capabilities of 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 um, of, of these requirements analysis or, or thinking, as you said. Mm. Uh, and like true innovation, like some companies they they do have like in-house innovation teams which might have freedom or like think five ten years ahead or many have actually no no it's not that some like this five mm. ten years ahead thinking, but they probably have very clear goals. That's okay. Mm -hmm. We want to improve. 
let's say some subsystem i know in we are thinking about sensors in um, in in apple products then they, they definitely have like sensors research team um yeah and yeah so i think this is this is this is kind of a mix of depending how you want to get it but this iteration as you go further this iteration i think there are there are modifications of like traditional systems engineering which try to make things a bit more agile but still like agile is pretty much in opposition to System engineering, not because of the, um, let's say, the principles, because I think both of the methodologies want to deliver the same the high mm -hmm. quality product, which customer wants and mm -hmm. is meeting requirements. Um, it's just, um, I think the complexity and time of prototyping um, is different for complex products, especially hardware complex robotics, than um, this agile approach, which potentially you can get to very unoptimized solution with agile approach, with a lot of um, iterative small steps without correction to the big picture. So there's a difference between... Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I would hope, and, and I guess you could differentiate agile done well and agile done not so well, that, you know, particularly if you have cross-team agile development, some sort of scaled approach that you would have a design authority governance of some sort that would bring you towards the end goal. Because I think if you, um, I, I tend to agree with you with a low maturity agile approach and you worked on subcomponents in isolation, the chance of success would be, well, low. <laughs> Shall yes. we see without some sort of rigor? I would imagine that, that your, your systems, um, complex systems approach would give a, a wonderful scaffolding or, or framework for which then within teams could work in an iterative or agile way. But uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's, uh, I, I think it really depends on the context. Um, yep. love, lovely, lovely uh, insights. I'm, I'm about to wrap up. I'm, I'm curious, I have one, one more question and then I'm curious if you have any anything else that you would like to share. Um, and I'm totally forgetting what my question was because you got me off on on the on the on the agile thing. Um, well, one one thing that I was um, speaking about with my son recently was because something we do occasionally, like once or twice a week, is go out walking in the streets in the forest and pick up trash. And um, and and we were sort of imagining, wait a second, why isn't there a little robot dog or something that's crawling around? that has sensors to know what a leaf is or a toy, or, which basically don't pick up versus a piece of trash and you just pick it up and then deliver it somewhere. I think that that would be a, an obvious use case. Do you have any, any idea why that hasn't happened yet? Like why, why, do these solutions, why do these solutions not exist yet to make our lives uh, much better? Yes, so very good question. Why, why we're not living in sci-fi as 10 years ago we thought, well, or 20 years, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, so I think this is about the level of technology maturity of some enabling technologies, which robotics is relying on. So what I'm saying that is in order to, so what you want to do, you want to not have a dog, but like a doggish looking child or a device with a, a computational capabilities or cognitive capabilities of a child to be able to pick up 
um, trash because if it was like uh, just animal will be training, right? Animals to do the trash collection. We're not doing it for some reason. Hmm. I'm not sure what's that, but um, Great point. <laughs> um, but anyway, we want like some serious, actually quite serious um, cognitive capabilities. And this is something which is not very straightforward that these capabilities is not, a, first of all, there's some physical aspects. So you need to have like a power system that is powering you over, let's say, enough time so this device can go there and go back. Because hmm. if there's no charging station, so one infrastructure, it becomes not feasible. So, but we're getting there, let's say, or, or let's say we'll get there over time. But the main thing actually is, or let's say that one of the key factors which was blocking was there was not enough um, computational capabilities in terms of like processing, onboard processing, to run some sophisticated um, machine learning models to do perception, to do some planning and so on. So these were all fragmented and you cannot really run them on the device. And now these things are progressing quite rapidly. You can see you know, what, what type of progress in machine learning we see across. But this, I think it will still take some time until we have like a scalable mobile robots deployed. I mean, we're working on it in many different projects, including, you know, at, at, with our, our startup, our company. Um, but like true autonomy is, and you can see this, what's, what's going on with autonomous vehicles industry now, uh, because this is, let's say, comparable task, let's say in terms of difficulty, some people can argue, but this is autonomy when you have to have fully autonomous thing, which you can rely on, um, you know, criticality and safety is different aspect. But the, the problem is that um, with these technologies, it depends on the approach, how you train these systems, how, how you um, deploy them. And it's, it's relatively straightforward to get proof of concept. And getting from proof of concept to like uh, either safe or liable system is way different story because I would argue there's no real autonomous product mm. there yet. Like you have some, some drones which are autonomous, but how do you define level of autonomy? And this is a different discussion. Yeah. And there's some quite very interesting people in the industry trying to explain why we don't have yet autonomy delivered. Mm. Uh, I can give you the link to these people. And I, I think it would be a great person to speak to your, on your, on your another podcast as well. Uh, but I'll, I will leave you, I'll leave you later for, for this discussion. So, yeah. Lovely. And I, um, yeah, please share the link. And um, I remember the last question, which was which was my closing question, was um, you are moving through time in your career and and working on different projects. So I'm just curious, um, what would be the the dimensions of dream projects for you, and 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 then how can people get in touch with you? Mm, can you repeat the, the second one? Well, like like how you know like because um, you're with ABC right now, and then. Looking at your 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 career history, you'll be moving to one or multiple. You seem to have a portfolio of projects going on. What are the what you know? You've already mentioned that um, that that some sort of novelty is there and things. But what types of problems would you love to solve for those people listening? And then if they have those problems, then then how can they get in touch with you? Ah, I see. I see. In terms of HBC specifically, right? No, That's, no, no. About uh, about you. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, like um, you as as the as the robotics system engineer expert that is you know moving through your career, solving these incredible problems. Um, what 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 are what would you imagine some future problems be that you solve and and how would you engage with people? Yes. So um, 
Yeah, so the, the, the problems I see, so I see this as a kind of top top down approach. So when, when you have some, well, first of all, if, if you have vision of uh, actually deploying very serious mobile robotics, and by serious, I mean, not in terms of budgets or like, you know, importance in your company, but just like building capability, this is the first step. And like the, the, the technologies I'm excited about is, is actually, well, locomotion is difficult, I think, because like it's not necessarily about like specifically jumping or flying or or or, 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 or walking. Um, I think it all depends on what you want to do, and it might be actually a combination of a fleet or maybe methodologies. Because you also have uh, manipulation, which is more than locomotion; it is actually manipulating objects um, and and many many other aspects. Um, I think like probably that the most exciting problems are not the ones that you hear like in newspapers and in, in, in media, and they are actually being, you know, solved in a uh, quiet background for really important problems. Because I think, I don't think so autonomous vehicles are the biggest problem on the planet, which we spend the most cash or a lot of cash recently. Um, so yes, I think, yeah, this is what I'm excited about, about problems that are solved by technology top down. Um, and the way, way how to, you know, how to engage with me, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, I mean, I'm, very much committed and fully, fully engaged, um, more than 100% time with my current uh, project. Uh, but you know, if there is anything that maybe we can work together, you know, LinkedIn is probably the best way to contact. Lovely. Thanks so much. I, again, you know, I, I, I know a little about robotics. I knew very little, but um, thank you for joining and thank you for sharing. Is there anything, last points you'd like to share before we wrap up or has this been good enough for you? It's been good enough. And maybe I'll make like a, for people who are really interested in robotics, like either, you know, executive level or someone who wants to develop their career or they are in their career. Uh, yeah, I highly encourage to be critical about um, constructive criticism about some approaches which are developed uh, in, not just in industry, but like this is complex systems. So I, I really encourage systems engineering uh, approach applied. Yeah. And we will put a link to the Encosa, which is that that uh, society of, of uh, systems engineers in there. So then uh, people can get some tips and tricks that way. So Tomas, thank you so much for joining. It, it has been a delight and it's been educational and inspiring. Um, yeah, thank you so much. And for people who are looking for more information, you can go to the show notes, which you can get a hold of by whatever platform you're listening. And in there, there's a link to Tomas's uh, LinkedIn profile, as well as to his current company, Hey, B, C. Tomas, thank you so much. Thank you very much, Chris. Learn more at ebillion.com slash podcast.